Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. After the show yesterday, both from Vietnam, guys. And um, I'll paraphrase both of them because they both kind of sort of said the same thing. You know, enjoyed the enjoyed the, the program today. And I also understand the mixed feelings that you guys must have. And and then saying, UMAC being the most mixed of all of them. 
And both said, you know, I, I felt the same way when we left Vietnam. And though these circumstances uh, are are different, the pattern is the same. And what's interesting is both emails said that. And um, so, yeah, interesting discussion. Um, I don't think anybody um, in their right mind is for an endless war. You know, I, I found, I don't know, I don't know if it's uh, just Joe Biden, um, but, you know, you make that statement and then you run over to Arlington. I, I don't know, that did sit, I didn't, I didn't like that. <laughs> it's like we're trying to use Arlington to make a political statement. Um, I don't know if Donald Trump was, was on, on the path to do anything different. Um, but I talked to somebody else last night and said, what do you think going to happen? And he said, uh, on active duty, fairly high ranking, you know, general officer. I mean, high ranking general officer, right? Um, he said, I think I fully believe the Taliban will be in control of that thing. And he said, yeah, it makes you sick to your stomach. So the places that we fought, the stuff that we did for not, which is, uh, I guess, what uh, the the two emails I got after the program uh, said. One of them saying it brought back bad memories of conversations I had <clears throat> with my friends. So anyway, uh, on a sober tone. Uh, on a sober note, good morning to you on a Friday, the 16th day of April. Um, the um, chef and Greg Lotus are going to join me here in a minute. Uh, the United States put sanctions on Russia. That big news yesterday. And... Um, And then you have, you know, it's amazing watching the nation now, just in the way it reports news. And um, it's like what drives the news today, <clears throat> today is the color of your skin. That's what drives the news. That's what so much of our news is every day. And it's pretty amazing to watch. If somebody shoots a bunch of people and, he, and they're a person of color, it's not a very big news story. If somebody shoots a bunch of people and they're white, it is a news story. Right? You know? And... um you know the and and I'm waiting for somebody to say to everybody in the country stop resisting the police when they show up if you do that a lot of this shit doesn't happen young guy in chicago killed 
hanging out with a dude with a gun who's shooting at car who shoots at cars. Police respond. He hands the gun to a kid. They run. The cop chases the kid. The kid turns with the cop with the gun, right? And then he's killed by a cop. You know, the the narrative of uh the shooting, the taser shooting, if you will, in Minneapolis is that young man's wanted on a warrant for armed robbery. And he decides to resist. And in the ensuing scuffle, a police officer, a woman who's white, clearly thinks she has her taser in her hand. And again, I'm not sure how you make that mistake. I've never had a taser in my hand, but I imagine it would feel different than your than your sidearm, your pistol. It sure as hell ought to, if it doesn't. I mean, she yells, taser, 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 then shoots him and kills him. You know, the other thing that struck me as I was thinking about this is, um, you know, in, in, I don't know, my experience in Iraq and Afghanistan you know, gunshot wounds, I mean, you can hit a lot of the body, you know, and they're not always fatal. They seem to be by a matter of, uh, I don't know, by circumstance lately. Single gunshot wound, boom, dead. So, um, anyway, just some thoughts. But, um, yeah, I've never seen... The thing that drives the news today is is color. I mean, and and, and I mean, imagine if um, well, and I'll give you an example. Uh, wounded warrior came under the Wounded Warrior Corporation came under a lot of scrutiny a few years ago when they went on um, when they held a, a corporate event. They were rappelling off skyscrapers or some something they were doing. And then that, that kind of got people's attention of the way they were spending money. And people began to look at that. You say wounded war, people immediately re- reach for their wallet. And that organization was scrutinized. And, I mean, they got it fed to them for the way they raised money on the valor of American service members. And then the way they were spending money. I think the Senate actually did an investigation and I think Chuck Grassley was a part of it. And they said that, you know, Wounded War Program spent 62% of the money they raised on programs for veterans. 62%. Okay. I think the industry, industry standard, most people would tell you, is easily over 90% when you're raising money like that. Wounded War, not even close to that. And they got hammered across the country. You know, Twitter embargoed, Facebook embargoed stories about the uh, the founder of Black Lives Matter buying millions of dollars of real estate. And they've straight up embargoed the stories. Suspended Twitter accounts. I guess you can't write that story. Why? 
because she's black. So it's, uh, you know, the race thing in this country is, I mean, at crazy point. To the point where, you know, most people won't even talk about it, let alone express their true feelings about it. You know, so when 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 do prominent, you know, people of color, you know, stand up and say, stop resisting the cops, man. Stop fighting with the cops when they're taking you into custody. Now, I think I've heard people say that. A few people say that. Jason Whitlock has said it. But again, we're getting to the point where, I mean, you can't you can't discuss, you know, any of this. People say, oh, no, I mean, they'll cancel me. They'll cancel me. When all you're trying to do is have an honest discussion, you know, about all this money that's been raised by that organization, be it Wounded War, be it Black Lives Matter, is that not is that not okay to talk about that and the way it's being spent? And the answer is evidently not. Evidently not. So, um, you know, it's, and, and as a conservative, I would tell you that, you know, the, the liberal, you know, part of the nation has taken control of our universities. It's now taking control of the media and the media acts now as, uh, activists and the stories fit their activist narrative. Something I don't think we've ever seen in our lives. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. But, you know, I've talked on this on this program for years about um, about journalism and it's, you know, and it's reckless disregard for the truth. And man, I'll tell you what. uh, Now, um, I mean, the truth is 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 anecdotal to the narrative. And if the story doesn't fit the narrative, then it is it, it quickly leaves the news cycle. If it does fit the narrative, it's quickly blown up into, see, we told you. So, I don't know, disturbing stuff. It is Friday. Whitney Houston sings the national anthem. Good morning.
And I don't know, I guess today this is dedicated to uh, to some future date when um, when the truth is more important than your color. When we as a nation can get to a point where we can have uh, no bullshit discussions and you don't have to worry about if you say, you know, if you say something that you believe in, and I'm not talking about, you know, you know, extreme groups on either side. But if you say something like, hey, would somebody just tell everybody don't resist when the cops show up and you're not going to get killed? And so, but that's the climate that we live in today, that you're going to be attacked and you're going to be canceled. Um, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Uh, maybe this is what people felt like during the, the McCarthy hearings and shit like that. But I don't think the whole nation felt like this. I, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, much of the nation feels like this. So this is dedicated to the proposition that maybe the truth is is really important. Maybe that 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 articulate discourse, articulate respectful discourse, is really important in a nation. But let me tell you, you have powerful, powerful, rich people like Jeff Bezos, who controls the the Washington Post. Jeff Amazon Bezos controls the Washington Post. And those kind of moneyed interests at places like Facebook and Twitter that that have tremendous control over, you know, the daily discourse in the nation. So I don't know. Here's to a day when when our discourse is is more balanced. <laughs> betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night 
nothing. I keep other people awake at night. For this campus had prepared him well. <clears throat> I'm very confident that, thank you very much. <clears throat> if this was vodka, it'd be a lot better speech. <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. So we'll check the weather and then Kim Holmes and Greg Lotus will join me. Partly sunny in 56 in Quantico down the coast at Camp Lejeune. It is sunny in 60 in uh, 29 Palms. Sunny in 61. Supposed to warm up over the weekend here in Southern California. Camp Pendleton is uh, partly sunny in 55. Camp Smith in Hawaii, where I'm headed next week. Yeah, next Sunday I think I fly to Hawaii. Uh, not Camp Smith, but uh, Hickam, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, to go do some work for the Air Force. So I'm excited about that. Uh, clear dark at 61 in Hawaii. Okinawa, dark cloudy and 72. And in Darwin, Australia, where it's always hot, it is dark cloudy in 81. In Oslo, Norway, it is partly sunny in 59. That's a high for the year so far. In the Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area of Southern California, partly cloudy in 55. Looking for a high of 67. Today, 68 tomorrow and 85 on Sunday. How about that? So without further ado, a weather update from uh, the south end of Grand Forks with Greg Lotus. Greg, what's up? What's the weather like? Or not? I don't, I don't think Greg is going to be on today. I thought he said he was. Uh, well, he's, it, he said, it says he's on the phone. Oh, hi, Greg. Or not. I guess not. Maybe I went to his voicemail. Did he say he wasn't going to be on? Well, he said he wouldn't be there. Oh, not feeling well today, Mac. I forgot to call you. Sorry. Yeah. All right. So, Greg, not with us today. So, give us an update from... you're feeling better, Greg. Give us an update from downtown Grand Forks. Beautiful downtown Grand Forks. It's finally partly sunny and about uh, 40 degrees, 38 degrees. Uh, going to get up to maybe 45 degrees today with a little wind. Not a glorious day, but uh, better than when it's freezing. <laughs> uh, we just came through uh, three days of snow, which didn't amount to squat. Glorious uh, is a relative term, okay? Yes, it is. All right, just for the record. Yes, it is. So glorious can be different things to different people. Everything's glorious in North Dakota, Mac. You know that. I'm not really sure about it, that, but right, it's, but, it is relative. <laughs> it is relative. Current the currents in North Dakota are uh, in Grand Forks mostly cloudy, 
and 38 degrees. Looking for a high all the way up to 46 today with an overnight overnight low of 25 degrees. Yeah. Looking for a high tomorrow of 56, 41 yep. on Sunday, 38 on Monday, yeah. and 41 on Tuesday. So you guys got snow? Yeah, last week we got uh, uh, a couple of inches here. Uh, up near the border, it was like six inches. Uh, we seem to be uh, kind of dodging all the bad weather this year, knock on wood. You know why? Uh, so far. You, you know so why, far, though? Does. You know why that happens, right? Yeah, because of the fork in the river. Yeah, yeah. And see, you learn that when you live in Grand Forks, that yep. there's some kind of mystical, magical weather properties because of the confluence of the rivers. Yep. Yeah. And they go north or south. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Fargo has been still not a lot of snow, but there's no flood da- danger this year. Wow. Uh, they're still trying to figure out their uh, their diversion project. Oh yeah, they're I can not, imagine. They, they don't. They didn't have their act together like we did. Well, you know, one of the problems that Fargo has is, is Grand Forks, it, the river, Grand Forks has a big flood in 97, and then the yeah. feds come in with a whole bunch of money. And But the difference really between Grand Forks and Fargo, if you look at them from the air, is Grand yeah. Forks, is a, the river has a straight shot through the, the between Grand Forks, North Dakota, and East Grand Forks, Minnesota. And so it was relatively easy to to put up, you know, traditional wall dikes yep that kind of protection if you look at fargo north dakota and moorhead minnesota the river snakes for a few miles through the city i mean and when i say snakes i mean back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and i don't know how the hell you would i mean you would have to buy a lot of property you know to create a system similar that grand forks created because the 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 spring that used to be a dicey proposition every year yeah. in a community oh, yeah. is now, I mean, it's the question is where are we going to send our sandbagger this year? Who Are we going to send it north? We're going to send it south. Who's going to have the toughest time? You know, it's, and the city is, is insulated from that. And, but you look at what another community has had to do. They're trying to, you know, the, what they built a diversion around the town where they open up this big kind of riverbed that they built moat, if you will, around, and um, and then, but the, you know, like many cities in the Midwest, the city's built right on the river. Yeah. And that's no bueno in the springtime when you get a lot oh, of snow. Yeah. And then when, you know, when it warms up really quick and it doesn't, you don't get freezing at night. So the water all goes at once. And so all kinds of shit up in that area. See, Kim and I have become flood experts and. Hell, we're not even from yeah. we're not even from that part of the country, man. So to speak. Yeah, exactly. So well, to, yeah. When you lose two restaurants in that '97 flood, uh, and it pisses you off, and and you just you're determined to bring it back, and and uh, you know it's a lot of effort, but it was worth it. It was really worth it, and and the feds helped, and that was a big deal. Yeah. But what Fargo is stewing over is the diversion, where to put it. Well, make up your freaking minds. Uh, 
you know, it's going to go on the North Dakota side now. They finally decided, I oh, think. Minnesota ain't having it. But they it. haven't pulled the trigger on building it yet completely. So the longer they wait, uh, the more likely it is that, that they're going to, one of these years, they're going to have an event like we did. Well, you know, their great savior was a guy named, what was his name, Dennis Wallenek? Or what was that guy's name? Do you remember that guy? Oh, that, that mayor. Yeah. And yeah. Dur- during this flood of 1997, when Grand Forks got flooded, this guy, yep. this guy made, he was like, he was the man. He, he what did he do? He plowed a couple dikes to release water south of town. I mean, he did some stuff that I'm not sure that he was supposed to do, but he knew what he was doing, and it all helped. And it it all- did. And, and, and they just came a hair from really... Uh, being this whole city being underwater. We weren't so fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. No, what happened was, and, and, and here's the problem when you get the right combination of uh, snow and then maybe a rain event and warmer weather, and it all heads for the river uh, late. Um, and that is, you know, let me feel it, honey. Your, your dikes can only take so much saturation, right? The longer that water stays up, uh, the weaker those things get. And at some point, that's when you see them get saturated, and then one of them breaks. Right. I mean, and, and again, and this is they break over things like they're, you know, the dikes are older, and they're yeah. filled with holes by vermin. That's why yep. the vermin project, relative to your dikes, I mean, all this stupid shit that you learn. But anyway, um, and that's what happened in Grand Forks. I mean, one of the dikes got saturated and then it broke. And then the city got flooded. And Fargo did not. And this guy was, you know, part of the reason. He was attributed by the decisive action he took. I think, if I recall, not all of it he was authorized to take, but he did. And he helped save the city. And uh, and then he became the mayor. and And he was driving this whole diversion project thing. And then, uh, yes, he was right. And then the Minnesota DNR got involved in it. And Minnesota's, you know, uh, pretty adamant about their natural resources and they didn't want the diversion yeah. on their side of the river, you know, which I don't know, didn't make a whole lot of sense to me that it should be a shared proposition. Maybe the feds government should broker that deal, but I don't know. So still not done. And you're right. At some point, Kim. Right. Can't agree with you more. You can only roll the dice so many times before they come up wrong. So, so anyway. Let it cool a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 How did you, uh, did you make out in the, uh, the men's basketball tournament? Uh, the men's basketball tournament, I won. Really? I picked Baylor. No kidding. And, uh, and I cleaned booty. <laughs> uh, poor Disco, he was, uh, he called me up and uh, the day of the game, he says, hey, you want to watch uh, Gonzaga go 30-0? And, oh, and I said, they're not going to win. And, uh, and so we had a pretty substantial wager. Nice. I, I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. I know the disto disco factor is going to come into play, and you're going to lose your ass. And sure as hell, <laughs> it did. Is that what the disco factor is? That, well, that's what I call it. You know, yes. when, when he picks first, 
and picks the team, and I always like to let him pick first. About 80% of the time, he screws up. Yeah, see, I'm disco. That's why I don't do that stuff. Yeah, and, and, uh, but, uh, the god of wagering does not like me. Yeah, but he cleaned my clock at the uh, Frozen Four. Oh, really? Well, yeah, no, he no. took, uh, You're Massachusetts. Pick- what? Yeah, who would take Massachusetts? And they won. Well, I, that, I took, not time. only did they won, they won easily. Oh, God, it was embarrassment. The, yeah. What, five to one or five to nothing? It, it was it was five to nothing before anything happened. And uh, they just controlled it. Uh, I just... Uh, yeah, sad. Let me read you an email. North Dakota. You guys trying to see sell me on North Dakota are not doing such a good job. Hi, Kim. Dave and Vacaville. Oh, Dave. How's Big, it going, David? Dave is considering moving to North Dakota. Say what? <laughs> you, you heard me right. You heard well, me right. Dave, Dave, if you move to North Dakota, move to Bismarck, the western end of the state, where you actually have a river you can fish on and boat. The you Mis- can fish on the Red River, the Missouri, but you can't swim in it. it you'll you'll get so much uh, iodine in your system, you'll glow when you get out of the water. Yeah, nobody fishes. Uh, nobody fishes. Nobody. Nobody. No. Uh, no people fish. If you like catfish, yeah, fish, catfish. Yeah, that's primary what they do. Um, but if you like mosquitoes and you like catfish, the northern ed- the northern Red River, the Red River of the North, that's your river. I'm telling yeah. you. Right, but if you yeah. want to do big time river, that would be the Missouri River down in the Bismarck Mandan area. Yes, it is. Yeah, and that that's a that thing's, beautiful river. Yeah, that's the one the Lewis and Clark expedition went up. That yes, thing is is ginormous, man. And, and and every year the river changes, so you have these sandbars that appear. So if you're pontooning or boating. You can camp out overnight on these sandbars and have bonfire. I mean, it's so cool. And that's the only uh, drawback for, for Grand Forks. Yeah, I don't like that Otherwise, stuff. I love the town better. I like hotels more than sandbars. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're a boater, uh, that's what you do. You that know? sandbar and, stuff's kind of butch, just for the record. Okay. Well, oh, it's soft, man. <laughs> I slept on sand, sand uh, stuff whenever I traveled. Uh, you know, it, it was it was pretty swank sleeping. I don't know, man. That was long. Hey, that, that was that was, that was for a very short stretch. That was for a very short stretch of your life in North Africa. I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just well, just so people don't get the wrong idea. Okay, you're not talking to Yule Gibbons here. Okay. No, you're not. <laughs> Just you're, you're talking to Warrior Mike. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm talking about you. Kim oh, is me. yeah, Kim is not sleeping on the desert sand, right? He although he did uh, that I did. I in sure his life. Did in Morocco. In Morocco. That's all I slept okay. On. That so again, I'm talking about a very short stretch of his life. It's not like he's looking for sand to sleep on, trust me. The um oh, so, no. but my favorite thing to sleep on was uh uh, under a pine tree that uh, where the needles had shedded, shed for years, and so it was like s- sleeping on a Tempur-Pedic. <laughs> it my, was very 
swank. Mine is yeah. a nice mattress with a nice pillow. I agree, and that's the way I am now. <laughs> but when I was in my 20s and 30s, I could care less. Yeah, there you go. I'd there you sleep go. anywhere. Because um, I was El Vagabonde. I, I just wanted to travel and see the world. That's all I cared about. I didn't care where I slept or what I ate. Uh, just this. Uh, show yeah, me. I'd always show, drink the local uh, show, show alcohol. Me, show me the world, baby. What? Um, That's, here's another email. Matt, could you ask him to go over the salmon glaze he discussed last week, so I could write it down this week? Um, you talked about a kind of a honey glaze for salmon last week. Yes, um, I did. Could you go? Could you go over that? Sure. What you want to do is. Uh, now, if you, most of us, uh, not when I had Sanders, I would uh, have whole fillet sides, and I would take the skin off the one side, the outside, and then I'd cut my portions, approximately eight ounces each, and then uh, I would uh, salt and pepper the the salmon. Uh, I'd heat up, well, I had a special sauce called the prairie sauce, which I don't have anymore. But my recommendation is you take a saucepan, you melt some honey, and if you want a little extra spice, you squirt some sriracha sauce in there and let it let it uh, come to a little uh, bubble right. and mix it real thoroughly. And then it's warm. You set it aside, you cook your salmon on one side, the skin side first, uh, and then you flip it over and cook the other side, and then brush this uh, honey sriracha sauce on uh, on the uh, side that wasn't the, uh, the non was Well, okay, hold cooked. on. Hold on, you confused me because I thought you started sunny side down, got that a little crispy, flipped it, and then went and then finished the cooking skin side down. Did I screw that? Yes, up? yeah, that's that's what you do okay. if you have the skin on it. Okay. Yes, right. and then you brush the uh, the sauce on not the skin side because you want that to crisp up. Right. Because when it salmon skin gets crispy, it's delicious. And then that honey uh, sriracha glaze is absolutely spectacular. It's a little sweet with some heat. And uh, the heat uh, volume depends on how heavy-handed you are with the sriracha sauce. I am not real heavy with that, but I like a little heat on the back end of of a bite of salmon because salmon just... Pure salmon uh, with lemon juice is spectacular, and also have a wedge of lemon with the, on top of that sauce too. So let me. So it's just honey with, it, yeah. and if you want a little bit of heat, some sriracha in it, and that's it. Just bring that to, and put and just paste that and baste it. Paste with, it on. That's it. Well, that's pretty and, simple. And uh, and and you do it a couple of times uh, when you first flip it, you baste it. And you let it cook, and just before you pull it off, 
you baste it again and then put it on the plate with a wedge of lemon. Uh, and uh, it's pretty swank. It's very delicious. Very simple to do. So it's I can anticipate the next question, which is going to be proportions, but that is, you know, to taste, right? So you warm up the honey, you mix it yeah. with sriracha or, hold on, somebody just sent me an email. When he says sriracha, if I had a little bit of a teriyaki fix that I want to hit, use some kind of teriyaki blend as well? Or in- Absolutely. Or instead? Absolutely. I knew the answer to that. Uh, yes, you can You can <laughs> mix that teriyaki blend with honey or sriracha. It's whatever you want to do. Right. To be quite frank, but uh, it, so, but it simply starts with honey and warming up honey, and uh, and then yeah. and then whatever floats your boat, um, yeah. you know, mix in with the honey and uh, and then experiment with it. Yes, and and you can create so many sauces. Right. There's that uh, 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 Chinese uh, uh, sweet and hot chili sauce that you can heat up just by itself and brush that on. It's, it's, uh, well, let me tell you, if you, you want, if, fridge if you want, if you want a, you know, if you want to faint in a, in a grocery store these days, go to like the, um, Asian, Asian food, section. <laughs> the Asian food section and look at all the different things, right. Yes. That you could put in or, Go to the international food section in Southern California. Yeah. You will certainly have one. The Mexican food yeah. section, and look at all the different, you know, sauces that that you can buy in that part. So knock yourself out, man. Now, uh, Mac, one of my favorites, and uh, I I I just put it on some scallops uh, last week. It's a Thai kitchen is the label label. And it's a sweet red chili, and uh, it's you know it's got red chili flakes, and uh, it, it's it's really good. And you just you heat it up. You don't want to put it on cold. You want to heat it up, and uh, it's it, it's it's unbelievable. It's really uh, like you said. Just go check things out. They have teriyaki sauces. They have they have low sodium soy sauce that I use because uh, the sodium mixture is absolutely the sodium content in it is like you know sixty to eighty uh, milligrams. Whereas if you go go buy a regular soy sauce, and you're talking anywhere from two to four hundred milligrams of sodium. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. I have to tell it's, you this it's though. Dangerous. I thought of you the other day. Yeah, you know, and I was eating tr- some triscuits. Okay. Yeah. And triscuits have salt on them, and they taste. Yes, they do. They but taste. They have low sodium triscuits. My yeah. wife just bought some. Oh, yeah. So I don't eat those. So I was, uh, yeah. I was eating them, and I thought, man, you know, what a version of hell to not be able to eat sodium. Because it, it salt, I mean, it's the basis of beer, right? It's the basis yeah. of all carbonated drinks, which was, why why are there peanuts, right? The peanut is the delivery system for the salt, right? Yeah. Why is there popcorn 
on the yeah. uh, on a bar. The popcorn yeah. has salt. <laughs> Why are there chips and all forms of chip? The salt is the, 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 the salt. chip is the delivery system for the salt, which makes you buy beer and carbonated drinks and whatnot. And uh, I thought, you know, Kim, who loves to eat, man, to have to cut back your salt to intake, you oh, know, in huge, a huge, huge way. Ow, ow, ow. You know, I just just had heart surgery last April. Right. And uh, I I love salt, just like you said. But, you know, you, you have – they have salt substitutes like Mrs. Dash – and and McCormick makes the salt substitute. Is it good? I but, mean, is it acceptable? Yeah, or is it's it... pretty, the McCormick one's pretty good. Got it. I, I find the uh, Mrs. Dash a little bland. Uh, now, for uh, my soy sauce, I use a coconut aminos, and it's uh, in in the Asian food section, and it has. In the health food section, it has 90 mg's of sodium as opposed to 490, uh, and uh, and absolutely uh, the sugars are one gram, and you know s- sodium and sugar is what I read on a label when I'm looking for something, uh, and and those are the two things that dictate what I buy. Wow. And, uh, but I, I'm like you, I got to have my sodium, Oh my God. but I also, uh, want to be around because of my, uh, <laughs> my heart and, uh, uh-huh. and, and my diabetes. Right. And so, so it, it's, it's just the way, uh, I had to adjust my life. Well, you know, you know, what's again, what's crazy. I mean, Kim between the twin towers, right? Diabetes yep. and you know and uh, and 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 your heart and there's sugar and salt. Hello, and I mean for somebody who's devoted their life to food. Yeah, and and, then, and I I strung it out as long as I could uh, and, until I had to start getting stents put in. Right, and then I had to get I got became a, a, a second degree belt diabetic. <laughs> Second degree belt diabetic, and uh, and and so uh, all all Doctor Ryan preached was no sugar, no sodium, and uh, and it took me a lot of years to adjust to that. I just kept plowing through. You know how I was at Sanders. Uh, I ate my own food. I loved it. Hello, that uh, the steaks and. Uh, uh, but on fish, uh, I, I backed off and I learned to back when I cooked is to go easy with the salt on everything and let people salt their own food when they taste it. Because you know, as well as I do, when you go into a restaurant, you'll look at somebody, get a plate of food put in front of them. They don't taste it. They grab the salt shaker and start dumping and boy, does that irritate me, Kim? Taste your taste your freaking food for, for at least sake. at least taste it before you start. The yeah, salt before it. you go ape shit with the salt. And and but uh, it used to make me crazy at Sanders. But uh, I, I would say something uh, at the original Sanders when I got here in '85. I said you might want to taste it before uh, you start dumping a. 
uh, an ounce of salt on that uh, uh, prime rib. And uh, they they put the salt shaker down and tasted and said, oh, not so bad. Said, thank you. And then it it happened so much, I just said, oh, F them. You know, if they, if they don't have enough sense to taste the food, be, be, and I still cooked with low sodium for everyone and, and, uh, not the pepper. I'd like to pour the pepper on because that, that doesn't hurt you. But, uh, high pepper, low sodium. The, you know, yeah. but I mean, even, I can't remember a few months ago, somebody mistakenly bought unsalted butter. Uh, oh, well, I do. I, I do. Well, yeah, you cook with it very deliberately, right? And so, but, yeah. you know, and I put it on, uh, you know, so I I don't notice it. I put it on a piece of toast and I'm tasting it. I'm like, what am I putting in my mouth? You know, it doesn't. Yeah. And then I look, I'm like, this is unsalted butter. This is ridiculous. What's the point? All it is is this is like oily spread on a piece of, without the salt. Right, without the, the salt. The, the package will say sweet creamery butter. Right. Yeah, well, I had a customer that knew it, the butter was unsalted because you you can't cook with salted butter on, on certain things. You have to add the salt as you go. So he would butter his bread and then take the salt shaker and dump it on the salted <laughs> bread. I mean, on, on the buttered bread. And and he'd be in hog heaven. Right, right. No, you know. Again, <laughs> I'll tell you, that's what I did. I, you know, I was like, oh, yeah. and it was just that's the weirdest okay. experience, right? I'm salting yeah. my toast. Like, what the hell? <laughs> but I'm like, what am I? I'm not going to throw this stick of butter out. I'm at least going to use it because I didn't have another. I didn't have any other butter there. It was all I had. So I was like, well, and I and I could remember you talking about cooking with unsalted butter, and yeah. I thought, geez, this is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, here's a yeah. cooking question for you. Hey, Mac, ask him how to do a foolproof Brussels sprouts dish. Do you bake, broil? What ingredients and what shall the final tenderness be? My Brussels sprouts are always boring and bland. Well, that's from your friend, your uh, buddy, your buddy Dave, soon to be a, your fellow. Dave North- from Backerville. Yeah, okay. soon to be Dave from yeah. soon to be Bismarck Dave. Bismarck Dave, God bless him. Uh, maybe we'll meet at Pierogues. Not to be confused with the Bismarck Press. Bismarck Dave oh, will no, be. I would never introduce him to my brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sacrilege, David. David, shoot me. The um, uh, no, let me tell you, the Bismarck Press. You want to tell a story about the Bismarck Press? How that came to be? It's a funny. Uh-huh. It's it's a funny story about about somebody squeezing. All the juice out of out of burgers and give. Well, my brother-in-law was cooking on his deck with his ex-wife, but they had three kids together, so they got as long as you could, got along as well as they could. That's irrelevant. And but that's irrelevant. The point is, he wanted to be the grill man, so he'd throw his hot dogs and hamburgers on at the same time. And by the time the hot dogs were done, they were black. And with the hamburgers, he'd start out with these nice hamburgers, beautiful. And then he'd start pressing them and flip them and press them and flip them until 
if you threw uh, a Bismarck, and that's how the Bismarck pressed. <laughs> I, I said, what are you doing with those hamburgers? Oh, you got to squeeze the juice out of it. It's no good otherwise. <laughs> I said, do you like eating cardboard uh, or wood? Because that's what you're doing to that. Oh, no, no. I know what I'm doing. I said, okay. <laughs> okay, Rick, go for it. And uh, I couldn't eat them. I had to wait till he was done, and then I'd put mine on and cook it properly. But you could take those hamburgers and throw them across the room, <laughs> and they go right through a window. Yeah, they'd be like uh, those Chinese kung fu Chinese death stars. Oh, my God. <laughs> in fact, you could hurt somebody if you hit them in the head and probably knock them out. But the first time Kim tells the story, right? Yeah. He's indignant about it. He's pissed. It was like uh, if you caught him out on an occasion when we did the show and the night before somebody had pre-salted their food. Yeah. He would not be as, as gentle with his criticism as he was a few minutes ago. Okay. He'd yeah. say, you know what? I have to tell him. You know? And so the, the first time he tells what becomes the Bismarck press term story, oh, he was just like, he was, he was pissed. He wasn't God. so pissed. He was just head shaking, head shakingly mystified uh, about it. But it was funny. My so. whole upper body would start to shake <laughs> when I would tell this story because I was so rip shit. I, I, I said, you know, how can how can you cook a hamburger and ruin it? I've never seen anybody in my whole life. I've seen people do that. Oh, I'm sure everybody does it. Ninety, eighty percent of the people do it. Yeah, I don't. And, well, that's and, a pretty high number. But the uh, okay, hold on. Let me well, let me take you back to Brussels sprouts. Uh, Brussels, Brussels sprouts. Sprouts. Okay. How do you make great Brussels sprouts? Well, you can a uh, couple of ways. You can uh, saute them. You can cut them in half, oil them, salt and pepper them, and then saute them slowly in a skillet or, or bake them in the oven on a parchment paper, uh, if you so desire, uh, until they're fork tender. That means a fork can go in them or a, a paring knife go in easily and then slides out. And then they'll they'll be kind of crispy on the outside, which is how I like my Brussels sprouts. Right. But but they'll be tender inside, and and that uh, I would do at about three hundred and fifty degree oven or medium uh, high heat uh, in a saute pan, a skillet. But I think baking them is the best way, and you can also take bits of bacon chop them up and if you're in a skillet put that raw bacon and then that bacon uh, fat when the bacon turns crisp it'll the the brussels sprouts will soak that that bacon fat up and it'll be oh. kick-ass delicious okay so it would you use bacon i mean you can still achieve the same effect in an oven right if you with bacon yes yes you can yes you can but okay. you have to stir them all right all right so um all right so in an oven uh tell me what do you put on the, your brussels sprouts is it olive oil and season to taste all right, all right for me it's olive oil uh and, and salt and pepper, and you might even want to take some garlic puree 
and toss them, you know, in, it, toss all this stuff in a bowl before you put it on the baking sheet and line the baking sheet with a piece of parchment paper so you don't have a mess on the bottom of your uh, baking pan. And uh, and let let that garlic mix in with uh, the Brussels sprouts. And you it depends on the size of the Brussels sprouts. If they're small Brussels sprouts, don't cut them in half. But if they're monsters, and sometimes they can be two inches across, you might want to cut them in half. And and that means that gives it more surface area to uh, to brown, and and to cook. And and uh, and don't don't get discouraged if the out the outer leaves get a, a little crisp, because for me I think that's part of the attraction for for me. If the if the but, outer edges get a little crisp, and when they get crisp, don't they get a little black? They don't. Really yes, yeah, sometimes they can. Now, a story about Brussels sprouts. I did not eat Brussels sprouts until I went to work in Switzerland. Oh. My mother would cook Brussels sprouts, and she would boil them <laughs> in water. And she would boil them oh my God. And until you could take your pinky and stick through it. They were so soft. Uh, and they absolutely were flavorless and uh, terrible. In her later years, uh, she cooked Brussels sprouts properly. But when I was growing up uh, in Ohio, uh, she could not do uh, liver and onions or Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Those were two things that, that I thought were God awful. Not until I went to Switzerland did I know <laughs> what liver should taste like. Liver and onions. And oh uh, and then uh, I've told this story, but it was uh, lunchtime, and that's when they have their big meal. And I'd never seen polenta before. So there was a big bowl of polenta, and uh, the the mom would put some polenta on there and then and then put this liver and onion mixture in this dark gravy uh and and i thought oh god i tasted a couple of times a couple of bites and i said this is the best beef dips i've ever freaking had <laughs> and uh so i plowed through that first order and i asked what what uh, this white mushy stuff was and she said polenta it has parmesan cheese and butter and and uh and milk uh, Swiss dairy milk, which is like drinking cream. And, uh, and, uh, then, uh, she said, would you like some more? I said, I'd like both some more, both. <laughs> and, and I got halfway through and I oh, said, funny. God, I've never had beef tips like this before in my life. <laughs> and they all, everyone, the Frau and the mister, they all started laughing at me. <laughs> they were like, six of us around the table and they were belly laughing and they says, no, no, that's liver and onions. And I said, get out of here. <laughs> Shut the front door. And, uh, and they said, no, that's liver and onions. And, uh, and it was like kind of medium rare. Uh, and it was just delicious. <laughs> and then I realized, Oh my God, 
I, I'm in a different world. And I even had uh, a, a third helping, <laughs> not a big one, but just a little, a of little course. hit to of make course. sure that I was eating liver. And and boy, was it good! Oh, the... yeah, I've never, I've never eaten to this date. I've never the liver is never, you know, other than liver pate, and most of it made yeah. by you. Um, and you love that, yeah. I mean, I'm liver never graced. Uh, you know, darken my doorsteps. So, yeah. Well, this liver was cut in uh, like strips. Yeah. What, what was the secret? Two inches long. They cooked it on high heat and got it kind of a, a crusty, and and then they they had this this brown sauce that was almost like a, a brown gravy. That, but they cooked the liver and onions all at, at once. And and they, they moved it around the hot skillet real quick and then added at the end this, this gravy and mixed it up and put it in a serving bowl uh, and then served it uh, with a side of polenta. And then you mix the two together. And, uh, I mean, I never tasted anything that delicious. <laughs> I was totally blown away. Ah. And they did they did the same thing with Brussels Brussels sprouts. I says, "Oh, I don't know about Brussels sprouts." He says, "Just try them, Kim. You'll like them." <laughs> and then uh, there's another example. I had two portions. You know, uh, I mean, the Swiss when you work for them, uh, your big meal is at noon, and then you you get a little like a siesta time. Yeah. And then you go back to work. You take a break at four and have tea, and uh, and then the dinner time it's a little, little soup and cheese and bread. And that's it. And then breakfast is uh, some kind of a bread and jam, a little uh, cheese and coffee. That does and make that, that does make a lot of sense. And you know the, e- eating well, like their, that. Their, their trip is. You know, you eat uh, breakfast like a prince, uh, lunch like a, a king, and dinner like a pauper. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and they all, of course, are in fabulous shape. So it was pretty amazing uh, how uh, how I learned to eat and and working for the youth hostel that first uh, two and a half months I was there. My first job, I lost 35 pounds. Uh, I was outside and, and, and digging a ditch in uh, October and uh, underneath the Iger Mountain, looking up to 13,000-foot mountain. And uh, we, we were, uh, our altitude was probably 4,000 feet, uh, 3,000 feet at Grindelwald. And uh, I was, it was just exceptional. There you go. And I worked outside and learned how to mix. Uh, well, I knew how to mix cement and, and work with that because from my days in the block plant. But uh, they didn't have a mixer to throw the rock in there. Oh, the sand so you were that guy? Concrete in. I was the mixer. <laughs> and, 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 you know, then you. you the mixer, just so everybody knows, you see them in third world countries. 
Right? Yeah. That's the dude standing there over a wheelbarrow or over some kind of device that's holding the concrete, who's got yep. the shovel or some other device, and who's actually mixing the concrete. It is, it. It is no bullshit work, too. <laughs> oh, it, it was. Uh, yeah. Every, you, that's, every time I got kind of tired, I'd stop for a minute and I'd just look at around me, look at the mountains and the, the, the tree. And that would be like, mountains. Go, that'd be like oh, Popeye eating spinach. Yeah, I'm in paradise. Right. I don't care what they tell me to do. I'll do it. And, the, um, uh, and I did. Here's a question for you. Mac, ask him when you're out buying good baguettes, what makes a good baguette? How do you tell okay. the difference between good and not so good bread if you're out? I mean, I I wouldn't know. I mean, it looks good to me, like it, you know. And I squeeze it a little bit. I don't know. Is there any way to tell? Yes, there certainly is. Oh. A great baguette has an, uh, a hard outer shell and is tender and fluffy in the middle. Now, if you are in a grocery store and they are their baker, they make baguette. You can touch it and it'll be spongy. Spongy. Yeah. You know, you can squeeze it and pretty much put your fingers together in the middle. Uh, but with a real baguette, you, you, you squeeze it and it, it's, it's a hard rub your finger along it, the, the outside and your fingernail, you know, the sound not like a chalkboard, but you you'll know it's it's it, it's got a crust on it, and that's what you want. You want a baguette to have a great crust, because if it has a great crust, then you're in the front row. Got it. And and uh, and that's that's what you're shooting for. All right. So, but that's about that as much all as the difference. That much. That's about as much as you could tell is the crust, right? If you just yes, right. yeah, it's the crust, and and usually, uh, in good bakery shops, they'll uh, just put the uh, the some of them put them in a big basket, right? Just the bread, right? And now with health regulations like Panera, they'll put it in in a uh, uh, paper bag with right. one end exposed, right? So right. you can touch the crust. But but uh, that's how you tell. Uh, I mean, all you got to do is squeeze it, and usually they'll be in a bag. And if they're in a cellophane bag, yes, just walk away. Oh, really? As soon as you put bread in a cellophane bag, like a baguette, it softens. It might come out of the oven hard or semi-hard, but. As soon as it goes in a cellophane cellophane bag, and they they seal it with a wire twist, it's gonna start getting soft. So wh- the why only, only why? way to bring that back to life is to preheat your oven right. to about three hundred and fifty degrees, and just throw the bread, take it out of that bag, throw it in the oven for five minutes, and you can. Uh, pretty much turn a shitty baguette around <laughs> and harden the crust. 
Well, so why would somebody do that? Because they're gonna. It's got the the bread's got to travel, or they want it to to seemingly stay fresh for longer. Why Why would somebody do yeah, that? That all of the above. Okay, Mac. got it. Got it. They They just, uh, you know, people in those grocery store bakeries, they have to make uh, ten dozen baguettes. It's one of their things. And so the bread's got to go in a bag and, and wire twisted clothes. And then right away it starts to deteriorate. Even the good, the good rolls that, that some, like Hugo's, for example, uh, they make these nice hard rolls, but they're not hard after they're in a bag. It, all you got to do is warm them up in the oven and, and they, it, the outside comes to life. The inside is still fluffy and fresh. Right. But uh, to me, it's all about the crust. In Italy, I would eat, they have this Tuscan bread, and this is indigenous to Tuscany, Florence area, Bologna. It's, there's no salt in it. And people want the crust <laughs> and don't eat the center. Because it's it's got no soul. But the crust, you know, you can dip it into soups. You can do anything and with it. Uh, spread it with something. Uh, put pate on it or whatever. Uh-huh. But that's the Tuscan bread. And that's just one type of bread from Tuscany. But it has no freaking salt. <laughs> And when I first tasted it, I went, what is this? <laughs> oh, Silvano says, oh, that's our bread. That, we're very proud of that. I says, oh, okay. <laughs> I got it. Did you, and then did I you go? I got it. I got it. And then I learned how to use it. And then uh, it was okay then. It was okay. So use it to suck up the flavors of whatever you're, you know, you're eating. Right. Whether it's a, a bowl of soup, uh, a plate, or, uh, of, a plate of gravy, or something else. There's an email. Yeah, Mac. My heart goes out to Kim. To spend your whole life in the food industry, and then to have physical situations like diabetes and a salt problem would take much of the joy out of eating. Good Lord, good for him to have conquered all of this. And still enjoy food, but those two things—sugar and salt—yeah—they are the foundation of American eating. Wow, that's 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 amen, brother and sister, amen, brother and uh, sister. Yeah. And, yeah, and and but that's okay because if you're uh, a cagey fucker like I am, <laughs> you, you can get around all that stuff. You can have your salt and your sugar. It's just you got to pace yourself. You got to well, you got to and you got to learn how to imp- improvise, right? What things yes, you could you do, do that are healthy, you know. right? And yep. uh, you know, because I, I will tell you, I have when I eat healthiest. Um, it's kind of interesting because you've touched on a couple of things that I do. Um, I'll get off the show. I'll get done. I'll eat oatmeal with a with yeah. a lot with a lot of fruit in it because. Um, eating healthy and, 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 and I try to watch my weight. I try to stay fit. I work out, you know, but, um, 
um, I need volume <laughs> to do that. I can't. Otherwise, you know, I'm I'm going to start foraging for triscuits and potato chips and other shit. And then I've taken to um, I've taken to eating my biggest meal right after I work out in the in really in the early afternoon between two and four. Yes, and I will eat. Uh, I tend to bake vegetables. Uh, broccoli and those little uh, kind of Italian potatoes. Um, yes. And again, I just put olive oil on that stuff, and I use Montreal steak seasoning. And and again, yep. the key thing in that is salt. <laughs> so, um, yes, and is. then what I'll do is I'll I'll grill one of those vegetarian meat, and I I buy these things are the they're Italian sausages, and they and they're delicious, and they're. They? Yeah, well, I don't know if they're delicious, but let me tell you, they're good. And so, I mean, that's a, I mean, but it's a filling meal, and that gets me through the day without, yeah. you know, without this rampaging hunger to find shit to eat, right? And so, and so then in the evening, you know, what I'll do is again a big bowl of fruit, and I'll even put a little sugar on it because I like that. But again, what I don't consume by consuming that stuff. But I find that if, you know, you know, to consume a big meal late in the day as I've gotten older is not what I need to do because what I do between, say, breakfast and that big meal is not good. I love chips. Yeah. I love chips and guacamole. If I, yeah. could, if I could exist solely on chips and guacamole, I would do that. Okay, but I can't. Well, here's some tips, Mac. It sounds like your diet is tremendously good. Uh, but, uh, I start out my day with, I peeled an orange, a Cara Cara orange, ate that with a tea, a glass of milk. And sometimes I'll have a piece of toast. And then lunchtime, we, that's when we have our big meal, like you do midday. And at night, uh, I'll eat, uh, an apple some celery sticks with maybe guacamole and carrots. And, and I try to avoid the chips because I'm like you. Give me a freaking potato chip that's a kettle cooked chip. Hello. I'm in the front row. Oh, my God. No, I love it. And, 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 and with the guac. Oh, but the thing is about guacamole, it's it's killer good for you. Well, yeah, but <laughs> but not in copious quantities because if you leave no. me there, you could come back in a half hour. I will still be here, okay? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm yeah. going, I'm going nowhere with that stuff. And so, yeah. so, and you know, I it, you, the reason I slid the you know my bigger meal earlier in the day was because I thought you know. I'm doing this, then I'm eating that meal. Why don't if I slid that meal earlier, maybe I could obviate the necessity for that that foraging that I do. And and it worked. And I was trying to get down to like 185, and it helped. Yeah. I was like, whoa, whoa. And so I'm I, I'm down to 205. How about that? How about that, Twiggy? I know, <laughs> and it's like it, I never had to wear a weight belt when I went out in the wind here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and boy, do. do you feel good? 
when you eat fresh fruit. But you know, you got to eat. You know, and what I've learned is you got to eat, man. Um, yeah. You know, you can't. You know, when you're trying to lose weight, you you know, losing your mind, being hungry all the time is just not a. It's just not a good feeling, and it it doesn't no, and it it's doesn't not an work. Alternative no. to losing weight. No, no, and and so to me, the you know the key part about, especially as you get older and you can't eat as much, and is you know is you got to learn how to eat. You got to get a little bit more refined in how do you eat, and and still eat, be able to be full, and still be able to be fit. And so it takes a little bit of reading, a little bit of experimentation, uh, but it's imminently yeah. doable. And uh, but it's just not the way it used to be, which is tremendously sad. Tremendously. Oh yeah, and <laughs> you know how we grew up uh, uh, eating, your, your eating, sports eating, all day, eating, eating like is, a goat. Yes, everything, <laughs> everything in its path, in its path, oh. and and uh, and. But, you know, the more carbs you eat, the the more it slows you down. And, and that's, Yeah, but we that's, never knew that. I mean, we were the kings I of did, carbs no growing clue. up. I had no clue. We were the kings of carbs growing up. Yeah, all of us were. Everybody out there in, in Macland, uh, and probably some of them still do, is... The carb is the center of your universe when if you substitute carbs for vegetables and fruits and uh some cheese some nuts uh you you can really get some great combos going oh my god are you kidding me and uh and and be really healthier more energy that's for me i got to have energy Oh yeah, and, and guacamole, in my opinion, is a sure way. Here's a here's a text message I just got. Guacamole is the best. Put it on toast. Put it on turkey sandwich. Put it on steak. Put it on a burger. It can be put on anything. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Pretty unbelievable. Amen. <laughs> but it's true. Guacamole, avocado, avocado, or guacamole with an omelet in the morning. Oh, oh God! Come on, forget about it. Oh man. You know what I used to make uh, at the Blue Parrot? I would make uh, a curried fruit omelet with cream cheese, and I, you know, I'd have bananas, strawberries, grapes, apples. I'd, I'd saute it all in a and have a light curry sauce, and uh, and then I I'd, I'd put a kind of a about Two inch, three inch, uh, maybe as round as your thumb piece of cream cheese in the omelet. Add the fruit and curry sauce, and flip it over. And people, when they first tried it, said, "What the hell is this? This is killer good." I said, "Yeah, it's good for you too." <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't really care about that. As long as it uh, as long back as, then, uh, yeah. it was flavors for me. <laughs> that's all it was. Yeah, that's I all it was. All. Right, that's all it was. The um, no, let me tell you. And there's a uh, there's a, a a Ralph supermarket out here, and their deli makes guacamole. It's to die for, man. Really, it's awesome. Oh yeah, you know. So it's um, 
Yeah, they make their own guacamole, and you know they put it out in a case, and it's absolutely delicious. And I could eat that by the bucket, by the absolute bucketful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's just yeah. when it when it's done right. Oh, uh, all I want to do is smear it all over <laughs> my face, best body, my, and my face. Exactly. You know the, and then I'll tell you what the other when it's not done well. It's irritating oh, no. because, you know, you, you dive into it and you're like, what is this? Who did this? Yeah. I want to know. I want the name of whoever this is. Yeah. I want them I want them run out of the run they, out of they the should, city. They need to go to uh, yeah. guacamole De- jail. Devil's Island. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. All right. Do you have uh, big plans for the weekend? You know, I, I really don't have big plans. Uh, I've got... Uh, Hal Gershman coming back from California uh, this weekend, and we're meeting. uh, I went through uh, Harry's uh, restaurant that I'm consulting on. Right. And we're putting the kitchen together. We've we've hired a a chef, a female chef. Uh, I was talking to Michelle to to do some other stuff. it's coming together, and I I got really pumped uh, with talking, uh, uh, visiting with the Matt, the co-owner of the new Harry's, and walking through the restaurant. It is so going to be so cool. I can't wait for you when you come back here next year uh, or, or this year. Uh, it, it, I don't know when it's going to be ready, but it'll probably be in the middle or late summer, but, uh, he's doing it right, man. And everybody's going to be, uh, vaccinated and it's going to be open to everybody. Uh, and that's what he's waiting for. He doesn't want to half-ass open, you know, it's, it's, you're putting that kind of money into a new joint. You want it to be go from the start. Right, right. Well, all right. How about you? What are you up to? Well, I'm getting ready to go to Hawaii. and, uh, and go Congratulations. Eat. How long are you going to be over there? Uh, I don't know, four or five days. And so I'm going to do some speaking there. So I'm excited about uh-huh. that. And um, uh-huh. and so getting ready to, to go um, you know, I'm vaccinated, so I think I'm supposed to get a, uh, a test done to show that I'm vaccinated and negative. And then if you do that, you don't have to live by their quarantine restrictions. Yeah, uh, that, that's two weeks. That they, now, that now when you more. got your uh, shot, did you get uh, a card? Come on, v- VA, man. They're all about the yeah, card. You, you should get a card. With the date of your first shot and your second shot. Yeah, come on, man. VA. So you show record. it. That, yeah. that, that's your ticket to ride now. Yeah. Yeah. You got to yeah. have that card. And, well, Hawaii's, and, been, Hawaii's been pretty um, aggressive in terms of, you know, as a vacation destination, the yeah, requirements they have, you know, throughout all this coming into Hawaii, this. And, and yeah. he had his card and they checked his card and and checked him when he got to Hawaii and before he got on the plane they checked him and uh and then uh they were free to roam as soon as they got there 
Yeah, but I think I think you have to have a you have to have a, a, a now since they've allowed begun allowing more people, you have to have a proof of a negative test done within the last like seven days or something like that. Um, oh, in okay. addition to, or else you have to, you're supposed to, you know, go into a two week quarantine. Oh fuck! Yeah. No. Well, you'd have fun with a two-week quarantine. <laughs> no way. Uh, now, are you going to uh, uh, Honolulu? No, and, I'm going uh, to Pearl Harbor. Uh, well, that's Onoha. And I'm going to Pearl Harbor and Hickam Field. So there's a well, Air, that, Air that's, Force. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's Hickam. Um, <clears throat> yep. Hickam is a. Uh, Hickam is now an Air Force base, and so uh, I'll go there yeah. and uh, and be there for a few days. So I'm excited about that, and I think I go two more times in the next couple of months. So yeah, and I and I and I I've never been to Hawaii. Well, I've only been once, and that was to Kauai and Honolulu. But now, now uh, you're speaking. You said to the Air Force. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. And when do you leave for Hawaii? I think next Saturday or Sunday. I'm not sure. They haven't finalized the. the Are we going to do the radio next Friday oh, yeah. morning? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I can do a ten twenty. All right, we'll see what Greg has. Hopefully, he feels better. I I sure do hope he feels better. All right, man. You have a good weekend. Thank you. You have a good one. My love to your kids. All right, bud. I will talk to you. Bye bye. There you have it. That is the one and only. P. Kimball Holmes. On a Friday. That'll do it. Do yourself a favor. Shut the news off. Right? Go out and do something good. Have a good time. Um... I didn't even mention the story about uh, today about now the Biden administration has said, yeah, the intelligence surrounding the Russian bounty story is not able to be corroborated by anybody. Now, if you recall the hurricane... But now it's nothing. Um, yeah, you know, I, again, I, 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 again, I hate to be Dolly Downer on a Friday, but honestly, um, I don't know that I've ever seen a time. Well. In my life, that the media was like this. So, anyway, shut it off. Have a great weekend. Right? Do something cool with the family and the, your family and the people you love. We'll be here Monday. I'm Mike McNamara, the Salt Marine Radio. Have a great weekend. And don't be afraid to change somebody's life. If you can, I'd be happy to help you. See ya. I'm out.